What's up, witches? And welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today we have got somebody that I'm truly excited to talk to because Gemini and I have spoken about this form of divination for a while and that we're kind of interested. And, you know, she's vegan. So it's like, how would she even go about this? And of course, we're talking about bone casting. And we have Garth here who has been a teacher in the past for the WDA, the World Divination Association, and welcome. Thank you. So the first I'm thing- I'm excited to be here. Cool, because we're so excited <laughs> to have you. So tell me, how did you first get started with divination in general? Oh, in general, it's always something I was interested in uh, since I was a kid. But, you know, parents tend to squash that down in kids. so. Once I was through with college and grad school, I had time again for it, and I just developed an interest from there. Mostly started with cards, like everyone mostly does. And then I was also looking at hoodoo practices at the same time, and that's where I came to kind of hear about bone casting, and I was just really interested in it. And I developed my own set and worked from there. Cool. So. Uh, so you were called to bone casting. Yeah. How do you even go about developing your own set? I mean, so in other words, was it a traditional hoodoo way of doing it? You know, how do you go about it? Do you, can you do it intuitively? I, I do it intuitively. I really took a lot from uh, knowledge from Michelle Jackson and her book, uh, Bone Shells and Curios, a contemporary method of casting the bones where she has developed a contemporary method, not related to hoodoo, not related to any other system, but kind of based loosely on Sangoma style from South Africa. And so I took a lot of her way of doing things and made it my own. And that's the great thing about building your own bone casting set is that in the end, it's a lot of your own ideas, practices, and intuition that come into into play with it so i had these bones lying around as one does <laughs> and i thought you know i could really i could really do this you could build your own divination system that responsive and personal to you so the first thing that i usually tell students is to buy a, a bone casting kit to start there's tons of them out there now. Lucky Mojo sells one that's pretty well liked. Etsy has tons of people selling them. Some of them are kind of ridiculously priced, but others are really reasonable. And I just say that because unless you have a lot of bones on hand, it's a good starting kind of seed collection to start with. <clears throat> and then you just kind of assign meanings to them to your bones and figure out what's missing now. What, what more do I need? I need a piece for money. I need a piece for love. I need a piece for obstacles. I need a piece for things aren't gonna work out the way you think it is. So buckle up, you need, you need a lot of pieces. You find out more as you cast more that, oh, I should have had a piece for this. It would have been a lot easier to read. So then you find a bone that can represent that. And sometimes those bones will be chosen based on just, I happen to have one here and that's what I'm gonna give it. 
Other times you can take the mythology of the animal whose bone you have. For instance, I, I have a coyote vertebra. And so that's like, people aren't being honest with you. They're being tricky like coyote is. Um, others, you can take other qualities of the animal. I have a moose molar. I grew up in Northern Maine, so moose are everywhere. Probably huge. It, it is huge. It's like one of the bigger teeth I've ever seen. But it stands for strength, the moose's strength. Uh, other times you can assign uh, meaning based on the function of the bone. I have an ulna from an animal. I don't know. Maybe a cat. I don't know. It's just an ulna. And so what does an arm do? It works. It grasps. It holds. It, it moves things. So I, to me, it's my work piece. It gets things done. Uh, I have a kangaroo toes, a little set of kangaroo toes. And that's for like jumping to conclusions or, <laughs> you know, pop, pop, pop. This makes so much sense. Like as you yeah. explain it, I'm like, oh yeah, I get it. Yeah, you can use, it's really what, and the great thing is it's really what you associate with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the kits will come with little pre-done meanings and you can say, that's great, that works for me, or what the hell were they thinking? It really needs this thing. And the more you work with your bones, the more a meaning will solidify if you're not really sure. <clears throat> you can start off with something and eventually it will kind of change, you know, as you become more familiar with it. Um, and that's another thing I like about the bones is that it's a very fluid system that relies on your intuition, but also I think on the spirits in the bones themselves that are happy to be there working with you. They have their own personality and they'll they'll come into play in the reading. And those spirits are still attached to the bones. And I think sometimes they're happy to work with you and other times they're not. And every once in a while I'll take a my pendulum out and see, are you still happy to be in the set? And sometimes they are, and sometimes they aren't. And if they're not, I just thank them and set them aside and place in something else. Other things that you can add into the bone reading kit is seeds, shells, pods, like an acorn. And sometimes you'll find them, you'll be walking around and you'll just say, it'll pop to you. Ooh, I need that piece. Like I visited relatives in uh, uh, Boston and they took us to the old North Bridge where the American Revolution started. And I saw this acorn on the ground right by the bridge and I, it just popped at me. I said, okay, I'll take that. So it means like little things grow into a big, big reaction, you know, like a revolution or small starts create big action. So you'll find things like that. There's little charms you can add, although I tend to keep the charms down because I, I do like, like I mentioned before, the spirits of the bones themselves. I like, I like that that is there. It's not so much with charms. And some people have a tendency to just go all charms and then you're just reading charms. You know, there's other kits for that. <laughs> but to me, a charm is something like a little personal. It has to be really personal. Like I have a St. Dimpna medal that I found by the car one day in a parking lot. 
And she's a patron saint of mental health, which, you know, comes into play often. So I've always, it's always been special to me and I've always kept it and I put it into my set now and it indicates where mental issues may be playing. Uh, another one is one of those kind of tacky necklace pendants that are split in two that you give to your lover. I had a boyfriend in Russia I had to leave. Well, it was still the Soviet Union, so that's how long ago that was. But I had to leave because I had to go home and it was all upsetting. So to me now, it means things that aren't your fault. You tried, it's just not going to work out. It's not your fault. It just isn't going to work. So it's things, personal things like that, not just I found it at Joanne's and thought it was cute and threw it in. I mean, you can do that if it has meaning for you. But, but for me personally, I try to make sure everything has a personal attachment or, or emotional meaning. For our audience, can you just give like a rundown of what bone casting looks like, like what the process is? If you, if I were to come to you and be like, hey, I would like a reading, what is that going to be? Okay, for me, well, first you need a lot of space if you have a large set. And don't do it near the couch because things will roll under the couch. <laughs> Make sure the cats are not nearby because they love that. So anyway, they will, I'll have a, a flat surface in front of me on the floor. I usually have like a cloth or something, just a plain cloth. I light a candle and I spray some Palo Santo mist that I have to purify the area. I light a candle, I pray to my ancestors. A lot of people who cast bones make sure to involve the ancestors, and I also invoke the spirits of the animals that were in the bones. And then I have them in a big wooden bowl. And I stand at the end of the, the cloth, and I, I lean over and shake out down the length of it and up the length of it, as long as it takes to dump them all gently <laughs> some things may break or just go flying and it's not and it takes a bit of skill because if you just kind of toss them too roughly you end up with scattered shots with no relation between the bones and if you are too slow you end up with a big clump where it's impossible to read anything so i make sure there's a good distribution of bones and then there's a way of starting to read, and it's intimidating to new readers because you've got like, like for my set, I have like 60 so pieces, you know, where the hell do you start to read that? Not like a three card daily spread or something. That's... So I have a, I have a stone carved die and I'll read the number that pops up as kind of a general overview of the theme. Like five might be obstacle. It's there's an obstacle in the way in the in the question or something like that. Or two, it's about a partnership or relation or back and forth that kind of thing. Then there's what the question's about. If it's about money, I look for the money pieces. Where are the money pieces? Where's the client piece? There's a I have a shell for the client. Usually it's myself, but I have but it's for the client. I have pieces to represent other people. Um, yeah, or if it's about love, you look for where all those 
all those bones are. And if they're off the clock, then maybe it's not really about that issue, or maybe it's about something else. And then you start with the client piece again and say, well, what's around the client? I have a bracelet, a short bracelet, like, like maybe four or five inches in diameter. And that represents what's going on now, what needs to be done now. So that's another place you can look. So you can see what's in there, what's immediate. And oftentimes the way bones lie, they'll point to one another. There'll be a, a little pointing. And so you can read from one to the other. It's leading you in a story. It's telling you, go here, go there. And then maybe that cluster will end. And that's all there is. And then you kind of look for the next area of concern. Um, and sometimes they'll just land in weird ways that you're kind of amused by. I had a client ask once about her work situation and there was the bone, the shell for her home had the bone, the owner that I use for, for work stuck right into the, the hole and it was coming out and it was pointing toward a person. Oh yeah, someone's working from home that I know and they're, they're making trouble or something. So it was like a literal working from home stuck in there. They can be pretty literal like that sometimes. And, but once you get used to your set and get used to looking for the key areas you want to know about, you find that it can flow and you let your intuition do that too. I mean, that's another thing I like about bone reading is it's heavily intuition driven. It's your intuition, your pieces. No one else can read your set, which is a, a nice thing. It's truly your set. So it's kind of like a grand tableau where you start looking for mm -hmm. this card, that card, where's the main character card. So that's how I do that. So would you say that one of the things that influenced you or wanted or, or kind of drew you to bones is do you do other ancestor work? Is that something that's really important to you to do ancestor work and spiritual work? I mean, yeah, my religious traditions that I practice do emphasize uh, honoring your ancestors. And I have ancestor altar and I've kept one for 20 years. So it, it kind of gelled with me. It was like a nice compliment to it. And I usually do my casting in front of my ancestor altar. And occasionally when I feed my bones, I'll do that on top of my ancestor altar. And oh yeah, I feed my bones. Because Yeah, the, I saw Gemini's face. Yeah. <laughs> Segway. Um, because I, I, I feel there are spirits that are still attached to those bones, I will occasionally empower them and offer like an egg to feed the spirits in those bones and light a candle for them. Especially if I know I'm gonna be working with them if I haven't for a while. Mm -hmm. That'll just kind of rub them up a bit. Can we ask and, what your religious tradition is or do you not wanna discuss that? <laughs> I've been comedic orthodox for over 20 okay. years. That makes so sense. Painting behind me. Um, I've also, uh, am a vaudouissant, I practice Patient Vodou. I'm a Hunsi in society, Phosphayoe, uh, run by Mambo Chitatan, who has a book from Llewellyn called Haitian Vodou. 
not that I'm plugging it. Well, I'm plugging it, but why not? Plug that's it. Not my yeah, name. I have to ask. <laughs> but Only we have to name. ask. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm her oldest student, so, uh, and I've married two Lua. You can marry Lua in in that Vodou tradition, and I've married Zili Freda and a don form of Danto called Mambo Zila. So, and of course, the ancestors play a big part in voodoo as well so yeah so you mentioned you have 60 bones if someone were going to start and you said a kid how many bones should a person start with you think try to find a kit with as many bones as possible in the mix i think at least 10 pieces i mean the number of pieces is going to let you fine-tune any if you only have a few pieces then you're only going to get a very broad answer and it might not be able to be possible to answer at all so i recommend the kits just because people often are at a loss of what do i need what do i have so if you don't have pieces of bone around you can start with that's a good start um but i would definitely build it as you find i really would like a piece for this or a piece kind of pops into your mind, like, this would be good for that. Add it in. If it doesn't work, you can always take it out. But I'd start a minimum of like 10 pieces, just so you have something to work with. <clears throat> and I know you mentioned, I think someone in Gemini maybe was a, a vegan. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to say that a lot of the bones are ethically sourced these days. So it's not like someone went out and hit something over the head. And <laughs> I have a friend in Oregon who is kind of like a road killer. So she like goes mm -hmm. and picks up roadkill and like puts them in a little bucket and like yeah. decomposes them, which like personally stresses me out because I'm always afraid like the top's going to come off and then it's going to smell like death. But she's got oh. like a bunch of really cool skulls, a bunch of really cool pieces. Yeah. So I've definitely seen an upswing in this, this idea of like being considerate of where you've gotten the pieces from. Right. Um, I never I've considered the idea of using like acorns because that like using pieces of like seeds and pods makes sense yeah. in this. Like, you have a connection to them as well as you have to animals too. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I have a roadkill. I've had, I had a friend who picked up a mountain lamb or sheep or whatever they're called out, out in the mountains. And I was like, first of all, ooh, how would you get that in your car? But, and why? And why? Well, he wanted the, the skull and everything. Yeah. So, but eventually when it was ready, he sent me some uh, rib parts and some vertebra. And it was really nice. I mean, it could have been cleaned a little better. I had to finish getting some of the I mean, it'll be not as professionally done if your friends do it. Let's just say yeah. it won't be yes. reached lighting. But it is ethically sourced because it's just, it's roadkill or or they died naturally, some of the animals, and people went and collected it. And that's how the moose tooth I got was, it was, it had died from a road accident, I think, and someone collected the piece. It's very hard to kill a moose otherwise, so... <laughs> yeah, I've had many relatives just hit the moose with their car and it just got up and wandered away. I mean, I have an aunt who hit one like four times, the poor thing. It's, oh my God. 
Now, she's hit moose four times. She didn't hit a moose four times. No, no, I know, but I'm just saying, to hit, hit an animal four, yeah, four different... <laughs> she, like, backed yeah. up and ran back into yeah. it a couple of times. <laughs> no, I meant, like, moose. Really that's still, that like, moose. horrifying. I've only hit one oh, deer, yeah. and that's enough. Like, I don't want to I mean, hit another one. They're, they're not the brightest. Of... <laughs> They'll wander off into the road, and they're dark, yeah. and it's night, and snowy, so... But anyway, yeah, they're, they, they, they're a lot of them, are, most of them are going to be ethically sourced these days, so... And I think as part of your personal practice, you can kind of do things to make peace with the spirit of the animal if you're still hesitant. I know a lot of people don't want to do bone reading because the idea of bones just freak them out. But It's definitely one of those things that like, I would like to know more about. I don't know that I'm ever going to have bones. But it's very cool to see the different ways that, like, the stuff that I do translates into what you're doing. Because that discussion of, like, I do very intuitive tarot readings. I tend to be more intuitive than, like, by the book. And so the idea of being like, oh, well, you can take that mindset and approach bones in that way and build your own set. and Like, that makes sense, I think, even to the people who are listening and are like, I'm never going to buy bones. But yeah. it is. It's a similar process, and it's a very cool one. Yeah, it's a, it can be transferred to just an all seed, all pod, or if you were really a plant person, or and I think it's also how charms work. Charm reading works a lot, but they just they don't say it a lot. It, they don't like to see the difference, the, the similarity between them. I think I I see the similarity. Bone reading is its own thing, a special thing. I think what I like about it, I know that um, there are some santeros that use a specific shell and they do these shell readings. Um, I think what I like about it is that I feel that it connects us back to the origins of divination. When you think about tarot cards, somebody had to design it. You know, there's all these different artists. You know, there's a certain privilege in being able to own all these things. Whereas if you don't have anything, you have roadkill, you have seeds, you, you have, have things that you can pick. Yeah, there's bones everywhere. So you absolutely can do divination. So I feel like it connects us back almost to like the origins. It, it does. It's it, Before the industrial revolution, before, you know, people had paper, before people had inks, before people had all kinds of, you had bones with, and shells and seed pods which were durable and workable and they lasted a while and they were handy. Everyone had them. So, so I, some form of bone throwing has existed all over the world. Some keep developing it, some moved on to other things, but it does. And it reminds you of nature, the yeah. world out there, the other, the other living things you interact with, instead of just this kind of plastic coated card that came from US Games. <laughs> and they all come from US Games. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what I also like when people make their own rune sets and they burn, um, mm. you know, the the markings on the wood. Like, I think that's also like, again, you're going back to when people first started to write things down or to carve onto things like you have that that origin. So I think that's awesome. Mm. You know, what's funny is that. Um, OK, so my dog last year got really sick and I thought he was I was going to lose him. And a year later, he's he's doing great. Um, but I guess since then, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking getting ready because he is 15, you know, like at some point. 
And yesterday I said to a friend of mine, um, cancer actually, Gemini, I said to her, you know, I don't know if vets do this. I know vets will shave a little bit of their hair. And I do know somebody who does beautiful memento mori with hair or with ashes. But I said, I kind of feel like I want to ask the vet, can I have one of his canines? And she said, I don't know if they do that. And I thought, well, I can't rip it out. I can't give them a dog that's just died with a tooth ripped out. But here's the thing. When we're talking about how you feel about things, this dog has been mine for 15 years. He is my protector. And that's how I feel. Like to me, that would be like the most powerful protection piece that I could have because he has ripped, well, at least one person's finger apart. Um, that's a story for another time. But he, that's who he is. I mean, since he was a puppy and I have his tiny canines, his puppy canines, um, but they're really tiny. I would never like work with them because I would lose them. It's like a grain of rice. Yeah. But um, so that whole idea of like what bones mean, like I've just been feeling that more and more. Like I want, I want a bone of his. I don't just want some hair. Like I want something that I could, that's tangible that I could either use or, or wear or something like that. So yeah. yeah, I don't know if vets would be will. I think maybe the canine would be at least doable because it's not very invasive. Right. You know? I mean, I'd certainly ask without feelers. But yeah, it's, that would be a wonderful piece to have in a bone set. It's an amazing connection you'd have with that piece. And it would, I think it would work well for you. Your dog's spirit would be there still or have some attachment still to it. and. Yeah. The only thing is I would refrain from human parts. I know one woman who wanted to put a bit of her daughter's cremains as part of the set. And I understood where that was coming from. I did. But I just, it just doesn't seem like a good idea to me. And I put her off of that. Because <clears throat> The person you'd have to be sure that ancestor spirit really wanted to be working that way, and I don't know. It just seemed odd. <laughs> yeah. So ultimately, it's a personal decision of the bone reader, but human bones are where I I personally draw a line. I think that's a really good segue though, because I would love to hear you talk a little bit more about the spirits and working with the spirits of the bone, because that I do think is something very unique to mm. bone casting. It's not something that you're going to experience in the same way with charms or with a tarot deck. So um, I guess, how do you work with them? What's that vibe like? Do you have any super cool spirits you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the most uh, spirit uh conversationalist with them so to me it's an, an acknowledgement that they're there I acknowledge their presence I ask their help at the start of it I check in with them with the pendulum see if they still want to be there I feed them and I, I noticed though that there's a relationship with the pieces that you maybe don't have with your cards that the meanings can be a little more fluid they can seem a little playful sometimes and you're open to that and, and notice that then you start to see maybe the, the spirits are, are moving the bones around. So other people who are better at seeing spirit or feeling spirit around in a more concrete manner, 
will probably have that experience. But I think for everyone who reads with the bones, it's important to do to do those things, acknowledge them, mm -hmm. feed them, ask them, notice what they're trying to do with the bones. Because sometimes they're not always going to be doctrinaire. This bone means just this. Sometimes it can mean that plus a little bit of this, you know, and it's a subtle thing to notice. And, and, and it's just, they're there. They just know they're there. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had a bone that you had to retire permanently because it was just bad news? Not bad news, but it just didn't want to be there and it never took part in the readings. It would always be off the map. <clears throat> it would never be in the mix of the story. It would just always be off, off, off somewhere. And I'm like, well, this can't always happen. It has to sometime just out of the law of chance show up. Somewhere. Statistically. So, statistically. So when I learned how to ask, just ask them whether they wanted to be there or not, I asked, and it was just like a big, strong no on the pendulum, and I said, okay, go. I replaced the piece, asked that piece if he was willing, if it was willing to be part of it, and it said yes, and so it works. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing, like, where I think the spirit is actually noticeable when it's doing odd things like that. Did you bury the piece or do you still have the piece? What'd you do with that one? I set him in a box aside. I don't bury it. I mean, he, it might be perfectly happy to work in a different way some other time. What kind of animal was it? I'm just curious. It was a shell, actually. Oh, it was a shell. They have little spirits, too. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was a shell. It just didn't want to be there. And I've had some bones that didn't want. I think a cat bone didn't want to be there once. So I just replaced it and it was fine. So do you do this regularly? Is this like the kind of thing that like once a week you sit down for a good bone casting or is this more of like a, a special occasion kind of vibe? It's a special occasion thing for me because, well, to be honest, I'm kind of lazy. <laughs> and it takes a lot of space. It takes a lot of time. Uh, you know, there's always that satisfaction of just being kind of curious with a question and just grabbing your nearest deck of cards and saying, oh, that's the answer, I'm done. This is a little bit more ceremony, a little bit more uh, sacred space making. So yeah, I use it for big questions or for, you know, monthly read or a yearly read kind of thing. But other that? people do do it daily. I mean, it, it depends on, <clears throat> because there's that, that bracelet I have that says now. So if you want to do a daily or a weekly read, all you have to do is look at that, what's in that bracelet, basically, ignore the rest of the stuff. It just depends on what you have time for. What was the, maybe, I don't know if the word is crazy, but what is the craziest reading you've ever had? Was it for somebody where somebody, when I be my craziest, like, did you ever say something to somebody where they got like, they've totally flipped out on you or, you know, something like out of the usual, what was the most unusual reading or experience you ever had? Oh, I, I really haven't had anything like that. It's always really? been very, no, it's always been very either expected or, well, I mean, the crazy thing to me is what I'm picking up on, but the client is like, oh yeah. I read one, I said, there's a woman with like mental health issues, but she's 
really getting over it now and she's in your workplace and you have to deal with her every day, but it's getting, the situation's getting better. And I thought, you know, I'm really kind of out on a limb there. I don't know this person from Adam. I mean, what, what the hell am I saying? It's so specific. I always like impress myself more when I'm mm-hmm. accurate, <laughs> you know, than, than, the, than a client. So to me, that was like, she was like, oh yeah, that's Barb. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh God. I mean, I always get surprised at how specific the bones can be and how specific my own intuition can come from. So, but That's usually awesome. when I have clients, they're always like, oh, yeah, yeah, that, thank you. That confirmed everything for me. You know, I don't read for a huge base of clients anyway. So, but. I mean, Gemini was there for the time that um, someone got aggravated at me. So, <clears throat> we did this past life thing for people. And one of the Scorpios was pissed because I didn't tell her she was Joan of Arc because apparently somebody had told her she was Joan of Arc. And I'm like, well, you weren't Joan of Arc, bitch. Like, just get over it. So, yeah. So that's why I mean, I one person you. was. <laughs> yeah. But it's like the chances. I'm like, you were probably Joan of Arc's like third cousin. You know what I mean? That saw her once in her whole life. Like, relax. So, yeah, she didn't like that. So I guess I always ask that of people. I've never had a really bad experience except for that. And it's really, you know, upsetting when it, one, it's your friend, two, it's in front of your your other friends. And it's like, because you didn't get Joan of Arc. Like, really? It was a little funny. It was a little funny. All right. I'm still not over it. I'm still kind of, like, pissed. I've already decided the next time I read for her, I'm going to read something horrible. Just to, you know, I'm just going to do it ahead of time. She doesn't listen to the decide. podcast, so she yeah, won't she doesn't know. Listen to the podcast. with her. I'm just going to make up something that's going to piss her off even more. You know, not only were you not Joan of Arc, it turns out. I love that. Um, what else? Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> fiction. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to say about where you can get bones other yes. than the internet is mm-hmm. if you have a local Ren Fair, Ren Fest kind of place. Ours, I know, has a dealer who sells like furs and, and teeth and beads made of bones. He also sells like the, like the strings of bones. I, I have a beaver tail set of vertebrae you can buy from them strung. That's where I got the kangaroo bone. Uh, so always kind of think outside the box you don't have to always collect roadkill someone has done it for you and you know makes a fun visit to your run fair <laughs> okay well i'm upset because your run fair sounds a lot cooler than the one we have in new york where, what run fair where are you <laughs> i'm in kansas city missouri because we don't we don't have that have you ever seen that John? oh really no oh i thought they all had that it seems like a i've seen what? like first but I cannot confirm that they are real furs. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely leather. Like the leather yeah, shoes. Yeah, a ton of leather. But oh, yeah. I've never seen bones. That's fascinating. Well, the only thing we oh. used to have. Well, maybe I'm lucky then. You are lucky. That's it. We're going to be making a trip. As soon as it's all over. I want to go to <laughs> that Which space road fair. trip? That's it. Yes. Do you dress up at the Ren Fair? Oh, gosh, no. I'm not fun like that. Garth, come on. It's the best part. <laughs> You have got to I see my outfit. Horn, I have a drinking horn and a staff, and that's, that's as dressy as I can. All right. Well, when which space goes to Kansas City for the Ren Fair, you're getting dressed up. That's it'll be like be a there. scale, because you dress up more than I do. So it'll be like Scorpio's the most dressed up, and then Gemini's in the middle, and then Garth can bring his staff, and it'll be perfect. We'll be like a sliding scale. Is that I'm also a Gemini. Oh, there you go. Oh, that explains the constant state of nervousness. Yeah. <laughs> 
I get it. The ground state of being, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of frenetic energy at all times. Before the um, before 2020 hit, I think the closest thing we could get to to for that would be the oddities festivals, the oddities yeah. fairs. Um, Cause mm. I know I've, I got horns that we use for something. Um, so yeah, I think that would be the next closest thing. And I think the moon serpent and bone virtual markets had a lot of bones. I think they did have a lot of sellers of taxidermy bones. It'd be a function of just being in a, in a rural air. Well, that is know, fair. the Midwest kind of rural area. I mean, Kansas city isn't rural, but it's in the middle of the rural area. So maybe that's it. I think so. I think they try for local people for the rent fairs. Yeah. So that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely cool in ours. So do you do you have a story about like when you got your first bones or like your first bone? You know, I really don't even remember. I've just always had them around. <laughs> That's cool. But. I remember coyote vertebra were among the first I got, and I was just like, wow, this is so cool. Mm -hmm. And then they just got kept getting cooler, you know, like raccoon vacuums. It's like, who knew this? They have them. I don't yeah. know. And it's fun to say coon dong to people. And <laughs> <laughs> I know each one is kind of interesting, and some come to you from gifts, and it's really interesting, like. A woman in the who used to be in the WDA, I haven't seen her around in years, uh, said she was just waiting for a bus and she looked down and there was a snake vertebra by by her foot and she picked it up and sent it to me. And so now it's my bone for serendipity. That's cute. That's so, awesome. Yeah, and then there's just things that are just so cool. Like the guy at the Ren Fair had a string of alligator vertebra. And they're all sharp and po po pokey and kind of cool looking. So, do you have a favorite one? My favorite one is the raccoon vertebra. I have two different. They're two. They come in two different shapes. Spine vertebra. There's kind of a one that looks more like a pelvis mm -hmm. shape, and then there's the more traditional one. So I can always use two of them, and they're always acting kind of funky ways sometimes. Has this changed, favorite. like you have a lot of knowledge now about bones. Was this useful in any other contexts? Or are you just like the guy at the party <laughs> who knows a lot about bones? <laughs> just the guy at the party. I, it's, it's hard to, to apply other, other places. That's like fair. I tried to give, give <clears throat> my coworker a gift of a coyote vertebra, I had to lie. I, I gave her a gift and I thought it was such a cool thing and I thought she'd be, uh, into it, she, oh, <laughs> oh, I mean, no. she still has it, but it's clearly just to be polite to me. Mm -hmm. And and I had a uh, coyote skull I got at the Ren Fair last year, and I had it at work. Its name was Osric. It was a cool guy, but it was held together with elastic bands. And then COVID hit, and we had to bug out. And when I was finally able to come back in, you know, months and months later, we had to move to a new space. Whoever had been cleaning had picked it up 
and broke the elastic band. So now he was lying in pieces all over the place. And I'm like, oh, bastard. So uh, he was my favorite. <laughs> I didn't use him for me, but he was my favorite. So. Um, so on the same similar topic, I guess, as a Kemetic and also as a person who practices Vodou, there's a lot of ancestor worship in those practices. It seems like a natural progression there with the bone casting. Is there also like a bone aspect of that ancestral work? Does that, did that transfer in that way? I keep a piece for the ancestors to indicate where they might be indicating a message. So if it lies near this piece, if it's definitely pointing toward this clump of bones, this is a message they're telling me. And so I, I invoke them at the beginning. If they want to leave a message, they can do so. And they often do. So they're definitely involved. That's very and it cool. Is a, it is a progression, yeah. I mean, a lot of people who just read cards ask the ancestors for messages too in that way. And so this is just a, and I think it's just my UPG, my unverified personal analysis, but I think it's easier for the ancestors to work with those other spirits that are in the bones. Mm -hmm. That it's a connection that they don't have to forge themselves. It's already there and they can help influence that. So I think they take part in it that way. But that's just my UPG. I love that I love you said it. that. I love when we <laughs> say UPG on the podcast. It just makes me feel so good. Is there anything else we want to ask? I'm trying to think. I feel like we've talked about everything without even asking. Um, <laughs> just chatting. You have it. answered. No, think about like we always ask a favorite book. And you I, already told us too. Yes. Which I think is great. I oh. think it's been really nice. Well, I'm a librarian, so that's what we do. I love that. I love that. I think it's really great that the things that you've said have really kind of backed up what we talk about on the podcast a lot is this idea of like having a personal practice that is yours and that works for you and that you don't feel obligated to someone else because of, you know, a certain thing. You're doing bone casting in a way that works for you in a way right. that is intuitive and that works with your practices. And I also think that like, there's a conversation about respect that we have in the witchcraft community constantly about every other, everything. And so it is a natural progression to then say, all right, let's talk about respecting nature in a way that is different than just, I think sometimes you get sort of like the nod that people do in witchcraft communities where like, oh yeah, nature, I love, I go for walks, you know, like I, I, I hug a tree, but like this seems like yeah. something that really connects you and grounds you in a it's very different way. definitely uh, back and forth. It's definitely a back and forth between you and, and those pieces, yeah. And I think it's a great and, way to show respect when we talk about how everything is connected and nothing should really be wasted. And we have this example with bone casting, which is really good to remind us, you know, who we are, what we are, and that we're connected to everything, both the physical and the spiritual. And that those animals and, and plants had value and still have value. And that they're not throwaway. They're not 
throwaway life. They have meaning. I love that. Yeah. That's going so, in an Instagram post. <laughs> I'm taking that quote. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to mention the two books again for people who are listening. And if there's any other book that you feel is like, because we always talk about our books, right? Um, twice a month, yes. I mean, once a month. And um, so is there one book, even if it's not about bone casting, that when you think about your practice, um, is really like people should get this book? No, but I will, because everyone's practice is so unique. Mm -hmm. I really, it's not ever been one book that did it for me. It's always a continuum of books. I'll go from one book to the next book to the next book. Eventually, some idea will percolate in my mind and stick. But I will mention that the most influential for me and for a lot of people is Michelle Jackson's Bones, Skulls, now Bones, Shells, and Curios, a contemporary method of casting the bones. And that's uh, through Lucky Mojo, one of, their, one of their hoodoo books. It's very well written, very clear, easy to follow. She has a, a Facebook group. I think called bone casting where people ask questions all the time and get answers. I'd also like to mention that I did, when I was learning, I did take a class here in Kansas city from Nathan Cedric. Hope I'm saying his name right. Uh, he goes by Papa Newt in his nom de hoodoo, uh, which was helpful to see it in practice. It was, it was, you know, I had read Michelle's book and it was good to see it in practice. So I'd like to acknowledge him. He's a great bone eater. Um, and the other one is my, my Mambo's book from Llewellyn called Haitian Vodou. I'm sure it has a subtitle, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. <laughs> I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> and we'll get, you know, pictures of those for everybody who's listening. Yeah. Check out the Instagram if you want to see those and, and get them yourself if you're interested in bone casting. Yeah, definitely get Michelle's book. It's, it's great. And you, soon you'll be master of your own bone set. No one else, you, you won't feel beholden to anyone else because it's yours. No one else will be the expert because it's yours. I like that. But it also puts the onus on people to do the work. Because I think sometimes you people absolutely yeah. have to do the work because it took a long time to figure out where the hell do I start? What do I and feeling confident that you're getting a message through, you know, that you're not just stringing this piece of this, this is that, that you're really stringing all. It takes time and practice to, and you really have to put the work in. Yeah, you're right. I have a very important question as we kind of come to the end of this. For the people who are listening to this podcast and are like, I want to get into bone casting. This sounds really cool. Um, is there any worry that you might have if they're not putting in the work that maybe the, there will be issues with the spirits? Is that something that people should be considering when they're getting into this? I think if you're not putting in the work, the spirits aren't really coming. Okay. I think they come and react the more serious you are the more effort you put in the more sincerity you have that if that's not there they're not going to respond either i mean why would you give anyone your time if they're not giving you your their time because i'm very life? petty <laughs> yeah yeah okay fuck in. yeah he doesn't he doesn't give me the time of day screw him you know yeah so 
I think I think it's similar. I think they might just they just they're not going to be as big apart. So it's a relationship you build, like with anything else. Well, I know that you're not taking students now, but if somebody wanted to stalk you, um, are you on social media? Do you want to share that with people? I can be found in the WDA. I'm there all the time, and I'm sure you guys will provide links. Sure. I run, I run a, uh, one of their groups for Mexican Lotteria cards readings, but I'm generally all over the WDA. I'm easy to find there. And I have an Instagram account, Garth Jezzy, D-J-E-S. That's where they can find me. Okay, so you heard it. We're going to be posting that on Instagram as well, so you can follow him um, and ask him questions. And... And let us know what you think. Let us know. If you're shy, reach out to us and we'll reach out to Garth. But he's awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you um, so much for doing this. <laughs> it wasn't as bad as I thought. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We're only a little bit scary. Mostly Scorpio. Scary at all. He knows me. I'm not scary at all. Yeah, everyone loves her. Oh, thank you. And um, you are the first interview of 2021. So you are starting our year off oh, right. Cool. Awesome. We wanted good energy and we got it. So thank you so much. Thank you to everyone listening for giving us the opportunity to do things like this and to bring you content like this. Thank you, of course, to Sean McShane. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us. Mm -hmm.